Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. We are now in the new studio. This is, before we start, episode 81 of wow. the Just Jiu Jitsu podcast. I am Andrew Desimone with... Croyler Gracie. And we are sitting here face-to-face in our fancy new studio. Yeah, yeah. We've, yeah. we've moved up. I mean, when we started this thing, we were in a... I think we were in my dining room. We we tried the dining. We tried it, and we didn't record release right, it. Right, right, and then we tried in the attic in my house, mm-hmm. and those never got released either. Nope. And now, and then we went to the guest bedroom in my house with <laughs> with mattresses and um, towels, the, the and springboard, yeah, and yeah. yeah we we just <laughs> we just surrounded ourselves in as many dampening things as we could. And then I realized we don't really need them in there, so I put everything back and the room looked normal. And now, we I moved a few weeks ago, which is why we've been a little sketchy on the releases, and we're now in my new place. And now we're in the dining room slash living room, which is fancy, right? It is fancy, yeah. I think that's where, yeah. I don't know if we could go any, any higher up in our studio quality than this. No, I'm, I'm sure Joe Rogan's looks just like this. Yeah, Joe Rogan, This American Life, all, all like the big names, like this is, they're all doing this out of an apartment living room. Yeah, and, and you know, we're at least, you know, three or four levels above the grappling dads. We could record out of a shit-covered outhouse and still be, be three or four <laughs> levels above it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I was halfway through drinking water. I, know, I, I, I was really hoping that I did a, 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 a spit take on that one. Well, we <laughs> and to everyone who yeah we last week we had an episode, but two weeks we missed. Hopefully, people went to the grappling dads and they they, they got a little bit of their their fill. But now you're back to uh, you're back to Papa Croiler. I think you like to be called Daddy. No, Daddy Croiler. No. No? No. Well, fine. Call me uh, Papa Drew. Daddy Andy. Wow. <laughs> Dandy wow. Andy. Dandy Andy. Wow. <laughs> Another thing we have tomorrow evening, we have our first podcast listener who's going to come up and, and see us. Yeah. Going to be training with us. I mean, we've had, I guess we've had people train with us who listen, but I don't think we've had anyone travel cross country just to train with us right essentially fly out to train you know like two and a half days he's gonna train with us friday and saturday and i think i'm gonna come out of retirement here out of my covid retirement and i may just be back in the game now friday i'll I'll train so i may give joey my virgin role wow your your re-virginated role my re-virginated role yeah all right my so joey i hope you're ready to pop that COVID cherry to open him up to new experiences yeah just open me up to that new jujitsu life that I forgot about (laughs) I'm open I mean let's just see what happens Uh, so yeah that'll be fun and other than that anything else on your mind before we get this started no no not really oh I know before we get it started Neiman yeah. We talked last week about Neiman Absolutely, yeah. and John Fitch. You predicted it. it would be a fairly straightforward, easy one for him. And, I mean, he, he, he did. Did you watch the whole match? I, I saw, like, the bits, the highlights, oh, basically. Yeah, I, I recorded it. I'll send it to you. Okay. 
yeah no i it was i mean it was it was pretty much a jiu-jitsu clinic you know on on fitch and and that's no knock on him i mean fitch fitch is is and was incredible you know um he's retired now but um you know fitch's style was unfavorable going into neiman's style you know so it, it was just it was just an easy win how was it unfavorable um fitch can you know fitch was has decent striking never been the best at striking he's been good enough to you know kind of stay on his feet if he has to um but really where he shined was his grappling and his his just kind of had like a grinding style where he took people down and if you could submit them he would submit them if you couldn't submit submit them he would just you know wear on them he'd punch him kind of keep grappling them down um and 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 basically you know just wear on people and you give it a round or two or three people can't defend themselves well so they get start getting submitted or start getting punched um and they can't you know properly defend so he was kind of a, like a war and attrition kind of guy um and he he used his tool set well with the wrestling with the submissions he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu as well um but but it was just unfavorable going into neiman who you know, Neiman, Neiman's striking and John Fitch's striking is probably the same level. Um, maybe Neiman might be a little bit, you know, better now because he's still younger um, than Fitch was. But, you know, Neiman came out, showed better wrestling, took Fitch down pretty much at will, passed Fitch's guard, kind of dominated the scrambles on the ground. Every, every, the, the, the most, the coolest thing about Neiman's fight with Fitch was every scramble that Fitch tried to create in order to benefit him, he, Neiman would simply transition. He would finish the scrambling in into, into a transition into submission. So it would be scramble to back take to choke. Opponent starts to defending, he would scramble into armbar. Guy starts defending, he would scramble into omoplata. You know, um, Fitch on the second round, you know, he Neiman took him down. Fitch scrambled up to his knees, shot a, a double, looked like a double, kind of almost had. Oh, he funked out. That's what it was. Um, Fitch actually pulled a very, very uh, cool funk out of the bottom, and he was coming out with a funk. And Neiman scrambled into potentially a triangle from the top. Fitch rolled him over. Neiman then scrambles into you know um, honey hole or inside Ashigarami into heel hook. So it, it, there was never a moment where like a scramble benefited Fitch. Mm-hmm. And and I think for anybody that's looking for to see what jujitsu in MMA should look like, that's a great example. And how did Neiman take this victory? Oh, super well. I mean, I think. No, I mean, how did he win? Oh, he got a heel hook. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he got a an inside heel hook. Um, some people said it was a heel hook knee bar hybrid. I think it was more of a heel hook. The angle just looks like a knee bar, and I think it's because, you know, the leg was fully extended, and it just looked looked very bad. But but, but Neiman was very respectful in his win, very respectful before the fight. You know, um, he let John Fitch speak first. He was retiring and so on. So it was, it was a cool match in all aspects. Before the match, they, they never talked trashed each other they never respect each other after the match they didn't belittle or talk trash to each other they were very uplifting both of them um it was just cool you don't see much of that in mma anymore yeah well congratulations to neiman uh we're gonna move now to our topic of the episode and that is fads and trends so to me i started this off kind of thinking a fad a trend they're synonymous with each other but they're not fad would be like short-lived 
Right. So lifespans, the lifespan is different. <clears throat> That's big. Yeah. A fad is something it would, it would last for a brief time. It's novelty driven. It's, it looks sure. cool. It's shiny. It's new. It's new. And that, that's kind of what, what gets it out there and everyone goes, wow, this is new. And then once it's not new anymore, it's like, and then it died. A trend would be something that has like a longer lifespan. It could change the shape of something like a jujitsu. Everything has fads and trends. I mean, I guess fashion. Fashion would have fans, fads and trends. A fad in fashion, you'd have bucket hats, bleached hair. What other What other frosted, fun ones? Frosted tips. Frosted tips. I'm guilty of that one. <laughs> what, 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 what are some fun fads from the 90s or like your youth that... Did you ever, did you ever buy into any fads? I did. The frosted tips, the... Big baggy Jenko jeans. Oh, there! I don't know if you remember the skater shoes called soaps that you could grind on. It had like a like a almost waxy or neoprene. I don't know what it was. Sole, and you could jump on stuff and slide and grind on benches. And I didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah. What about any any fads for you? No, I I, I literally just trained. <laughs> You never thought, oh, this is, I'm going to try to, uh, I like, I like how people wear their, their visors upside down and backwards right now. Nothing. No, no. You just, you just, you just always, you're a straight line. You're Yeah. I mean, like, going. you know, I didn't have time to really kind of get into fads and trends. You know, I, I just trained. Yeah. Now if we're going, so that would be the fads, a fashion trend. You'd have like now. Pants. Pants. Pants are a trend. Well, I mean, I I would say the the like, let's say like the fit of a trend, like a, a pants to maybe like a category, like or well, it's a category now. <laughs> In the span of human history, yeah. yes, pants are a trend. We used to not really be wear them, yeah, and and we've been trending towards them becoming more and more common. Yeah, pants are trends for women. They used to have to wear dresses. Right. In Indiana, women are allowed to wear pants. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, and the first Saturday of every month. Shit, that's news to me. Oh yeah, but yeah, that's just that's been law since I think like 1865. Wow, yeah. that's pretty good. You could say fits. If you look at clothes in the early 2000s, everyone had big baggy right. pants and shirts, and now everything's tight and fitted. Mm-hmm. It looks like you're that's wearing true. your like your your son's or your nephew's clothes. Of course, I do wear my my nephew's clothes because we, we share the same size. But yeah, all right. So if we look that we got our fads and trends, and we look at jujitsu, that that's not free of fads and trends, right? Oh no, absolutely not. What fads come to mind to you that are just what what are, what fads stick out in your head that you're like that is emblematic of just the worst in jujitsu? Oh man! It just makes you cringe that people thought, "Oh, this is big. This is the next thing," and then it just fizzled out. So, uh, before before Imanaya rolls were a thing, um, before leg locks were big, um, there you know inverted guard was a was becoming a a thing, you know, and 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 there are legitimate techniques out of inverted guard but it describe inverted guard for people um so for inverted guard you'd be like on your shoulders and your knees would be essentially above your head and you'd be almost like trying to touch your toes on a mat and you'd be fighting upside down so you have someone in your guard and what they step up and they progress so that are they standing so that you're 
No, so they're 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 on their back, and and you can pull essentially the people over you. And you know the purpose of inverted guard is to give you the ability to spin into an attack. So you spin into an armbar, spin into an omoplata. There's a couple sweeps and things like that. Was it something people were? They were if they had someone in their guard, they were trying to pull them up no, to inverted this, guard. This or it would was be a... as people were passing. Okay. So instead of looking for like guard retention to get them back to guard, they would just travel with them. So as they passed, then they would just roll and roll over and go into inverted. Um, but it became such a such a fad, uh, it had this, such a bright spark that there were tons of videos um, around like 2007, 2010. Maybe maybe smaller. I just don't remember exactly the the year range, but where guys would sit down as soon as the competition started, and then they would roll to their shoulders, and then they would pull their butt over their head, and then they would bounce on their shoulder towards the the opponent. So like a panda, uh, what's the is it inverted? Inverted gear. Inverted gear. Yes. They're panda. Correct. It's like that. Only they would be hopping towards the <laughs> butt first and upside down. <laughs> and how like how big did that get? You said that was like late, like 2008, 2009, around there? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And how uh, how many people did that became popular? For like, like I said, it, it's, you know, people saw the, the value of being able to invert and mm-hmm. do these awkward, unorthodox attacks. So they thought, what What if I just start there? You know, and for, like I said, for about f- six, seven months, there's tons of footage of people doing it, you know, and... Uh, did you ever compete against someone who did it? No, I'd stomp their head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what would you do if you walked out and someone just... Me personally? Yeah. I'd stomp their head. <laughs> what would you do that wouldn't disqualify you? Oh, okay. I, I passed their guard, you know. Yeah, it, it seems like it would be fairly easy to just con- grab them and spin them around, right? It, it is and it's not. I mean, that's where, like, the trickiness came in, right? If you're familiar with fighting people that are flexible, that invert a lot on their own, then, yeah, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But if you're not used to that and somebody's excels a little bit more then they can be effective and that's like the whole problem with not the problem but that's why there's fads and trends in jiu-jitsu is because you'll find this one niche area that you might excel mm-hmm. and people don't and then as long as they're playing in that niche you can come out ahead and that's what a lot of these guys that were bouncing on their shoulders would bet on you know um it doesn't disqualify the techniques in it it just disqualifies the approach in which they're taking well, that makes me think of one thing where a fad may in and on its own be garbage, but could be a seed that maybe leads people somewhere. So do Correct. you think anything good came from Oh, absolutely. That? I mean, you started seeing, you know, the that era of the inverted guards where people were hopping on their shoulders. Soon after, you started seeing, you know, Tornado Guard from Cyborg came in. Uh, there's a lot of cool inverted sweeps where you can sweep into leg locks. Um, there's a couple cool back takes. Um, and it gave path to new ways to guard retention. So uh, guys that use inverted guard for guard retention, like the Meow Brothers, it's almost impossible to pass their guard because even if you manage to clear their legs, they will fold themselves over so that you're still in between their legs and you still have to fight. So again, it doesn't disqualify the techniques in it. It was just the approach of how it was used at the time. It was like, okay, we got this this mechanic that works, these techniques that work, but we're just gonna we're just gonna force it down your throat. It's mm-hmm. just gonna have to. Ha- it's gonna have to work. You know, uh, like there's nothing wrong with you know speedos, but not everybody should wear a speedo. <laughs> you know, 
There's nothing wrong with Speedos. Well, that's good to know for Christmas this year. When I get you a Speedo, I'll say, there's nothing wrong with the Speedo Kryler. And I will say not everybody should wear one. <laughs> <laughs> so so with, with that, the the novelty was this this inverted bouncing almost panda like guard the the trend that we got from it was people focusing on in, inversions. inversions yeah and that was something that is, yeah and the ability to recover guard from inversion and and using inversion as a new path to guard recovery and retention which me which allowed which I guess a side effect of that we've t- talked about this before is as people started inverting a lot at first at first when in, you saw that first inversion you said that's ridiculous that's that's a fad that right. these people are using it people didn't know how to respond to that so it could exist there but Correct. as soon as people understood inversion that forced people to know how to deal with inversion and then they started being able to defend it which then forced the people who were using maybe that novelty shitty inversion to develop it more to something advanced or, or like to said. only apply it when it's actually applicable mm-hmm. when it's actually appropriate right okay kind of like we talked about before with uh the dan or her death squad they they were at first they could just go for leg locks and people would just fall apart they could use that all the time now people have gotten used to a to leg locks and defense and so the death squad those people they can't they have to learn how to selectively use it and kind of tweak they when well, they have and if you look yeah. at the Danaher death squad Danaher Danaher death squad um you know 8 9 years ago 99% of submissions came from leg locks and you fast forward you know 4 years and then they started transitioning to back takes and it became a lot of back take submissions and you fast forward another 2 years and then it became lots of triangles and arm bars and you and you keep in essentially what the uh, that squad is doing is as people catch on to their expertise they just move on to a different area um, which is great it yeah. forces the sport to grow yeah it, it's kind of leading they're, they're leading the sport people have to follow so it takes a whole lot of vision and foresight to be able to, to just easily go well not easily there's work that puts into it but to go alright everyone kind of is catching up here What's the next thing that we're going to do right. to set this new trend? Yeah, and I, and I don't think they're thinking quite that way. I think that they just know. I, I think that they've played. I think they've planned their approach very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they knew what they were good at and what they excelled. And they became popular because of it. And when people thought that they were a one-trick pony, it turns out that they're not. You know, I don't think that they were like, okay, guys, it's time. It's been two years. Let's focus on back stuff. I think they've always been focusing on back stuff. I just don't think that they wanted to go there because they didn't need to. So they they could be a one-trick pony. We're a one-trick pony right now, not because that's all we know. That's all we need to know. Correct. Why show you more if, right. if we can get basically milk this till it's dry right and then we'll we'll show you all the other stuff that we right. have it's like if i roll with you and you've never grappled with me and as soon as we slap hand bump fists i wrist lock you you may say Corella just does wrist locks but you don't know anything else past that because you never get there right but now after rolling with you for for about five years i know that yeah you only do wrist locks right <laughs> <laughs> right uh, all right, let's let's look at let's say another fad. I I had one, donkey guard. Would that yes, be? Yes, that's that, a huge fad. That's a fad. Yeah, it's died. It's dead. 
when did Donkey Donkey Guard take take uh, have its uh, moment in the sun? Maybe six years ago, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, when I came about five years ago, it was people would joke about it. No one, yeah. it was like a joke that I'm like, okay, I guess people do this sometimes, but I never really saw it, so I missed that. But for a little while, it, it had it had yeah, it, it 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 basically you know came out of Jeff Glover. Um, and Donkey Guard is an example. It would be the evolution to the inverted hopping. You know, you would present a weakness. You present your backside. You know, walk backwards to your opponent. As soon as he gets close, you essentially dropped your shoulders and roll forward, which was the whole point of inverted guard. Um, he just took a different approach. He said, instead of hopping on my shoulders, I'm just gonna, you know, let you try to do something mm-hmm. um and, and it worked for glover for a minute you know um but that's because glover is glover you know glover is incredibly talented but but 99.9999 percent of people aren't glover and the you know glover grew up doing just so people don't know that you know he's like he was super super young when he started and so he's got a certain level of feel and instinct and technique and experience that most people won't have so yeah, he can pull off things that shouldn't work, you know, out in public. But yeah, it's it's not in in because of that because it wasn't a viable approach to jiu-jitsu, It fizzled out very quickly. Did anything come from that other than I'm assuming it helped again with people working on inversion? Well, yeah, it it, it continued to build the path for inversion. You know, you saw um, a couple awkward um, leg entries from it where you'd essentially lead but first you know you keep your you you would try to attack the legs from you leading with your hips with your you know upper body on the ground which may have been influenced by or influenced a couple different you know you know leg lock entries um it's kind of like a egg you know egg chicken thing there because they were both kind of happening at the same time so there could have been an influence on both like glover could have been thinking how can i attack legs from donkey guard where some of the guys that were just focusing on leg locks may have thought could i use that movement to my benefit so it's it's kind of hard to tell the people who like to turtle do they pull do they have a lot of the same principles then from that donkey guard no because when you're turtle you're not on your feet so but you if you were turtling you could use that those donkey guard principles you just kind of have to you'd have to then get up to your hands and feet yes and you'd have to get your legs around the opponent's body so like in turtle generally speaking your whole body's underneath the opponent right in in donkey guard um, while your back is exposed you're trying to get at least partial covering of the opponent so you would toss your legs back trap a leg trap a hip trap both legs you know and if all else fails you could spin into guard um in turtle you don't have that because the opponent is not necessarily in a position where you can use your legs to cover their hips or cover their legs so could you transition from turtle to donkey absolutely um but while it looks the same it's not necessarily the same Turtling is that is that at any point been popular enough to be a fad? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Telis, um, Eduardo Telis, who um, kind of Glover, great, great jiu-jitsu, always been very good, always done well in competitions, been around the game for a long time. I think he's in California now. Um, I've never met him. Uh, you know, hopefully someday I will. But um, he he developed turtle guard which was an approach to grappling where you essentially want to be turtled and you want to use the turtle 
position from the bottom as a means to sweeping the opponent to exposing their back to exposing you know their arms and things like that um and he saw some you know mild success i will give it to him that where glover's donkey guard was like a spike and it dropped right back down just as fast his turtle guard kind of built over the years um and and he's still known for it today there's still he still has instructionals out on it you still see people trying to dissect it because he kind of took a more analytical approach to it so there might be something there but um but you don't see it done you know in in competitions the only person that you actively saw consistently pulling off any turtle guard techniques was him mm. you know everybody else a few people tried not not with much success so i think people study it because they think there could be something there even though it's not quite ready for mass use what's another fad that comes to mind for you um this one is early it's new so it's hard to say if it's a fad or a trend um belly keenan with uh the lapel guard um and 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 i'm gonna before everybody that's listening hates on it before yes i understand that there are subcategories to lapel guard you know there's warm guards you have like the the squid guard and so on i i get it i'm just gonna lump them all under lapel guard for the purposes of this example um lapel guard is fairly new um the only person that's high high level that we actively see pulling it off is keenan are there other people doing it yes consistently with the same result as keenan not many but we do see it on a large number of people uh purple belts brown belts and black belts tend to do it more often um because it's the hip new trend thing to do mm. so there is a lot of you there's a lot of people practicing it and, and doing it and it may be effective i've i've seen the effectiveness of it you know and as i watch competitions with other black belts that i train with i've seen it it works it's there i just think it's still in its infancy so it's hard to say if this is going to be a fad where it dies out it turns out that there is a solution for it that we haven't discovered yet that's just kind of demolishes it or if this is going to be something that we have to adapt because it's going to be here for a long term but as of now it looks it looks like there could be enough there for you to right. say it's a fad so Correct. there's enough you see possible avenues that it could go yes yeah so it's for now i would call it a fad but i would give it a high potential for it to like affect grappling long term that brings up a question. Who do you think is more susceptible to fads, higher belts or lower belts? Purple belts. Purple belts. Why are they? Particularly. Bo- why is that? Uh, one, of my, one of my friends, um, uh, Paul Elliott, he's a black belt up in upstate New York. He described purple belts the best I've ever heard. He said, they're the teenagers of jujitsu. <laughs> and it's incredibly accurate. Any purple belt listening, take offense or don't. I don't care. It's true show up late to class they kind of do what they want they roll with who they want they only drill the things that they want to drill they're always trying to see to do what they see <laughs> yeah 
this this definitely applies to uh yeah i get <laughs> yeah i have people in mind and yeah yeah so that's that you know they they tend to be the first people to do it um because they're at a point where they're looking the purple belts it may be some brown belts too but, but but especially the brown belts that's when they're at a quote-unquote age so to speak they, really, they want to test the upper belts you know so they're looking for that edge you know they're like i just I, if i can just get this one trick or this one thing i can get ahead of them you know they won't know what to do and that i think that causes a chain reaction because the the brown belts the black belts they know more they're more experienced so they can shut it down and anything that could be a real threat they can actually learn it faster than the purple belt can you know, I think the world's the agent of change there. You think, is there also like a, like a couple, if you're looking at uh, your road on jujitsu, your journey through jujitsu is, uh, th- there's some humps, so you're, you're white belt, blue belt, and you're like, oh, there's so much, I don't know, and then you get over that hump, and you're like, oh, okay, I got this, like, I figured it out, and then a purple belt is, there's another hump for them to get over, and they get over that hump and think like, all right, I figured this shit out. I got it. And then they get closer to brown belt and they're like, other levels are here. And See, I don't know you take it a much nicer approach. The way I look at it is white belts don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So they're just climbing this hill to climb this hill. And then they like the climb. They like mm-hmm. what they're saying. They, and then they get to the top of this hill and they're like, man, this is an amazing view. And then they look and it turns out that they're actually at the summit of this gigantic mountain. And then they get their blue belts and quit because they're not going to climb that mountain. The ones that stick around, they're like, I'm in it for the long haul. And they grind and grind and grind and grind. I mean, and they, they just, they're just working. And then they get their purple belt. And they're like, man, the views up here are great. I'm going to build a house. I'll do whatever I want up here. And then they look over and there's already a house built somebody's already been there somebody's already created those things in fact they've already have a whole community up there and they're like that's some bullshit because those people have a faster way up and down a mountain that i should have taken that's the purple belt (laughs) and then they're like man fuck this i'm just gonna i'm just gonna smoke cigarettes and drink and hang out with my friends what's the point of it all (laughs) yeah i wouldn't you know go that far but yes okay so i'm still a blue belt now and are you ready for me to become <laughs> that teenager? No. And yeah, like have that weird <laughs> pubescent phase where I'm gonna like I'm gonna yell at you. I'm gonna say some mean things, but I want you to know right now, me, the pre-pubescent, I'm telling you, I love you. And don't take don't take the mean things I'm gonna say here in the next couple like of years. Like the hand of don't. God, Andrew. Like the hand of God. <laughs> So you're not going to be, you're not going to be like the uh, American parents who the teenagers like, fuck you, mom and dad, I don't care. And they're like, sweetie, I'm so, no, come on, honey, honey, don't say that. <laughs> you're you're going to be more a little old school, maybe Brazilian. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. fuck you, dad. And you're like, bam. Right. <laughs> right yeah. Just... Like the hand of God. Yeah. Okay. No, but, but. I think generally speaking, the purple belts will cause the the fads to like go into schools. I think it's the upper belts that create it, but the the reason that it dissipates is people are looking for the cool thing. Generally speaking, those are going to be the purple belts. 
Although I will say with the advent of Instagram, it's kind of like a free for all. Oh, that's yeah. That which, you bring up another good point, which is horrible for jujitsu, but whatever. Instagram is just a fad factory, yes. right? It's yes. just pumping out endless fads. Yeah, especially when I see techniques that have been around for sixty years, and somebody pulls it off, and they're like fresh off the lab, and then they name it something cool, and part of me wants to smack them. Is it a double-edged sword? Is it pumping out so many fads that? They, they're out there and then they die right away out there die right away yeah sometimes or, or it gets lost mm-hmm. in, in the chaos yeah um, you know and there's like I said there's also people that are you know when we talk about trends things that kind of go and come back long term and we can actually spend more time in trends on a different episode because I know this one's been going on for a while but um, you know like I saw I saw a video uh, it was actually sent to me by Hal Hal sent it to me and it was a video of uh, this guy, this black belt, I don't know if it was, he was Brazilian or American, I, I don't know, um, in a tournament last year, and he pulls off a Marcio sweep, he pulls off the Macajal sweep, which has been around for, you know, 45, 50 years. And the caption wasn't even from the person that posted it. It was from a Jujitsu News outlet. It says, fresh off the lab, fresh off the lab, new sweep in this tournament and names, you know, tags the guys. And, you know, I'm like, no. <laughs> That's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You tell me if these are fads or if one of them is. Gogo Plata. Is that, is that been around enough and used enough? You would... I wouldn't call it a fad. I would call it a trend. I think at one point in time, maybe about 15 to 17 years ago, fad. Now, not so much. It it is a legitimate submission. There are systems built around it, um, and it's an effective part of jiu-jitsu now. Flying armbar. Trend. 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 Okay. It's not, the, it's not something that's only happening now. It's been happening forever. It's only captured now because phones didn't exist before. Yeah. Let's see. What's an old, are there any old school fads, 70s, 80s, like old, that you look back on, you're like, oh, that was cute. That was funny. Oh, um, man, from the 70s or 80s? Or like the 80s mustaches we look back and go that's that was funny they thought that looked good um there was a sub there was a choke um there was a choke around 85 to 88 um i don't quite remember the year exact but somewhere around there where it was actually it actually changed a rule set in jiu-jitsu um this black belt i forget his name now i have it written down somewhere he actually developed a choke where his you can't break free it's impossible and it goes through the jacket so like instead of going through the lapel your hand actually goes through the opponent's jacket and you choke them from the inside of their gi Mm. and it's it's actually hyper effective you also can't break free of it and it caused is it tough it, to set up. Is that why? No, it actually wasn't tough to set up either. It was it was hyper efficient at the time. You know where people wore baggy geese and they shot you know sloppy takedowns because wrestling wasn't as needed. Judo wasn't as needed. So the takedowns were a little bit sloppy. 
which allowed him to set this choke up on his feet. And then it didn't matter if he fell or didn't fall because the choke, he couldn't let go of the choke. You know, it was, it was one of those things like, you know, it was very hard to break and it actually led to the advent of, you cannot, you cannot choke. You can choke using your own gi, grabbing the inside of your own gi, but you cannot grab the inside of the opponent's jacket to choke them. Hmm. Because of that guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's why the rule of, like, you have to fix your gi, like, if it comes undone and the referee breaks it up, they'll make you fix your gi. It's because of that, because the guy would rip it out and he would pummel his hands through the guy through the opponent's jackets. I never knew that. Yeah. All right, any other fads that you you want before we, we close this one out? I think what we'll do is, you, yeah, we'll, we'll do fads this time and we'll do our trends the next episode. Yeah, no, I, I think, think that's it, because they don't last long enough to make an impact, or if they do, they become trends, mm-hmm. so then I wouldn't classify them anymore as, as fads what would you consider consider the comp troller uh, i think that's i think that's a like that's a martial arts that's grappling its own branch warp, i think it's grappling, art? grappling warping no i think that's like that's definitely a trend all right well i i that it means a lot to me to hear you say that yeah all right we're gonna we're gonna do a listener email here oh before we do you remember where we left the listener email last time it's in your toilet right now. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad it came out because otherwise this was going to be a weird listener mailbag opening. Yeah, talk about the shit covered outpost. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so I go grab it. I, I clean it off. And <laughs> as I clean it off there, I just noticed you, you, you eat a lot of grains. Um, Actually, I don't eat a lot of grains, but that's oh, okay. And I don't know what these all this coarse stuff in here is. Yeah, it, I don't know. What's this? Is that <laughs> coriander and turmeric? Oh, okay, you've been all right. You've been making some interesting recipes lately. All right. Uh, today's email comes from friend of the show, Craig Johnson. Okay. And Craig is is the owner of Four Orange Brewing Company, who has hooked us up time and time again with some swag and some delicious drinks. So if you guys are ever in uh, Albany, New York. Hit up Ford Orange because yeah they've got I like their peanut butter stout he sent an IPA over that was it was delicious and it's gone but all right here we go he says greetings guys I am now a blue belt and still having a blast rolling to preface my question I steal a quote from one of my wife's BJJ shirts quote I am not your competition quote meaning that I roll for my development and not to compare myself to my opponent my question is. When do you play your game versus when do you play your opponent's game when you roll? I feel I should know what they like to do so I can play off their movement and chain it into my movement to get a position so I am bettering myself. Some of my friends in the gym have signature moves they love to use, use, and I want to be more out of those, and I want to move out of those moves to better myself and do more jujitsu. Side joke here, ever since I watched that video of Henzo telling Daniel, you just need to learn some jujitsu. That is my game plan when I roll, learn more jujitsu. So it doesn't matter what they like to do, jujitsu will have a solution for their move. Just want to hear your take on this. And he says at the end, Andrew, you need to mock up a Croiler shirt and replace Harambe with a Geklar. That's a great idea. And <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe I could do some Photoshopping to make that happen. <laughs> Um, congratulations on the blue belt. Um, and as far as like the whole, 
you know, I think that quote is, is very important. I think we should all understand that at the end of the day, it's just how good you can, you can get yourself, you know, how, how much better can you improve on yourself? You know, you look at guys that are on top of their game. You see guys like Gordon Ryan, who is the best no-gi grappler in the world. He's not competing with anybody in the gi, in, in no-gi anymore. He's only competing with himself at this point. He's, you know, has won a ton of the titles, has won, you know, everything he needed to earn as a no-gi grappler. And now he's just a matter of, he's just trying to beat his own record, so to speak. You look at, um, you know, guys like Bushisha, you know, he he retired into MMA because he says there isn't a drive anymore. Yeah, that's because the dude was competing against his own record. Like there's no need for it anymore. Um, so yeah, no, that that's a good quote. Um, as far as like, when did your your jiu-jitsu versus when you do theirs? I'll tell you, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a junkie. You know, I always looked at it as like I like to to learn everything. I like to learn everything and be good at everything and 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 kind of master all of it, and then I can take what I want and blend it to my own style, right? Um, so, um, long answer short, what I would do is I would develop a core game, whatever your core game is make sure that it works on the majority of people. So you have a, a, a home base, a safe bubble that you know push comes to shove you can rely on and that's your game and develop that first. Once you have that home base, then you know, play your 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 partner's games. You know, let them do what things that they want to do and, and basically steal their techniques from them, rob them of their jiu-jitsu. So if you have a guy who's a really good you know triangular so and you're not very good at it so you develop your core game and then when you go with him you know play his game let him do his triangles watch his setups learn the setups learn the weaknesses see the places where he struggles and see the places where you think you can cover it you know if he struggles with a certain escape from a triangle maybe you roll somebody else that has a good triangle recovery and then you can add that to your game so you know kind of absorb their techniques but you have to do that you have to have a core core game first and I, I would focus on that core game initially and then on absorbing other people's games well said uh, I, I thought of this when you were talking you said obviously you're a jiu-jitsu junkie um, you mentioned just compete with yourself don't compete with other people you you would be great in a twilight ep- twilight zone episode where have you seen the Twilight Zone, the old one where the guy loves to read and he never has time to read? Oh, and yeah. then like the world ends and he's he 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 has like access to all the books in the world, but he right. breaks his glasses. What would you do in a post-apocalyptic hellscape where you have all the time in the world to jujitsu to do jitsu no one is around. Everyone dies. I'm like, like I am legend. Like I'm the only person. You're the left. only person, and your jujitsu uh, gets you. You have no one to do jujitsu with. What do you do with the rest of your life? I mean, physically, I, I don't know. Maybe I find something else I like to do. But you know, jujitsu. The yes, techniques would be lost. It would drive me nuts that I can't apply what I know, or I can't develop or grow what I know. Yes, one hundred percent. But. You know, there is a, a much more, a much broader concept to jiu-jitsu, which is the idea to, you know, find a way 
and overcome, you know, and, and, and um, it's like the old quote, you know, uh, jiu-jitsu is the proof of human triumph over human intelligence, the triumph of, wow, jiu-jitsu is the uh, is proof of the triumph of human intelligence over brute strength. So, you know, jiu-jitsu applies to everyday life, you just don't see it, you know, somebody pisses you off, then you remember that, you know, you don't need to engage, mm. you know, or if you engage, you learn to manage that person versus exploding with them. You know, um, there's, there's, you do jiu every day, you just don't think about it. So if we, if we came back 50 years, and if you were like that in 50 years, some aliens came down and found you, they would find a probably warehouse full of poorly constructed dolls, like life-size dolls. Yes. And animal carcasses <laughs> and you're like maybe maybe that that deer over there if i just if i knock it out and then bring it back to, to right the warehouse, I, mean, I, I, learned, I, learned, I learned to grapple animals yeah the most effective way to like you know here's here's what i would do if i were you i would learn to either you either have to cross the ocean for this or go to the zoos and find chimps Grapple chimps. I would love to grapple chimps. You could teach primates jujitsu. Yeah, there you go. And you would have this, this, this post, post Earth jujitsu school of chimps. Chimp army, am I call? Yeah, but then you, you'd like teach one, and that one would pick it up really quickly, and it would have skill and strength, and it would kill you, and you would, (laughs) and and you would, and there'd be this moment where you're lying there, neck snapped as the life's draining out of you, and think. I taught him well. Like my my, this has passed on to him, and this is his baby now. Yeah, it'd be like the, like Darth Sidious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a that's how where we're gonna end it this week, folks. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send them to. I mean, I haven't said our email address in ages. Uh, just jujitsu podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, that's it. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>